Our gospel reading comes from Luke's account of the encounter on the road to Emmaus. Hear the familiar story anew. I am reading from chapter 24. Luke writes, Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And Jesus said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered Jesus, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? What things? The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to the disciples the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told them what had happened on the road and how he had made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Here ends the reading. May these familiar words inspire us to see Christ in our encounters today. Thanks Thanks be to God. So we are still in the season of Easter. The church defines the season of Easter as being 40 days past Resurrection Sunday. And and it kind of makes sense if you do the math. We have 40 days of Lent before Resurrection Sunday. And we have 40 days of Easter following Resurrection Sunday. And it's what we are going to call the flip side. 
the flip side of Easter, the flip side of resurrection. And so for these next few weeks, we're going to be considering what it means to live on the flip side of resurrection. What does it mean to be a people who believe in the empty tomb? What does it mean for us to embrace this miracle, to be a part of the new life that God through Christ has offered to this world? We're on the flip side of Easter. We're going to be talking about that again for these next few weeks, but let us begin with prayer. Gracious God, we do give you thanks for the beauty of this day that you have given to us. We are so grateful, Lord, that we are the people of the risen Christ, that we are the people you have called to live resurrected lives. We are the people that you have empowered to testify to your good news, your willingness to be out and about, to come out of that grave and to go for a walk, leading us each and every day of our lives. So be with us now as we offer you our devotion, our worship, Be with us now, though we are in separate places. Remind us that we are collected together by your Holy Spirit, for we are your church, the body of Christ, wherever it is we find ourselves this day. So receive this, our time of worship, and lead us every day hereafter. For it's in the name of the risen Christ that we pray. Amen. So I have always been a walker. It's not too strenuous an exercise, so it kind of fits right in my MO. But I always have loved to get out in the early morning or to go for a walk in the evening. I tend to avoid the extremes of the day. But I love getting out and and using that time of fresh air and motion to, to clear my head, to meditate or to pray to just be and and not have to think about much if I don't want to. I love to use that time to be with my dog. Walking is absolutely essential to my day, essential to my spiritual health. And the experts tell us that walking is essential to our physical health as well, our, our mental health, our emotional health. Walking covers so much. And walking during this corona crisis has just been worth gold for me. Walking reduces anxiety and stress. Walking reduces depression. Walking releases endorphins. All this is going on in my brain or or your brain or whoever's walking brain. And it helps us to live each day a little bit better. Again, emotionally, spiritually, physically too. And I've treasured those moments. Sometimes my daughter will go walking with me. I love that. Even less often, my son will go walking with me. It's just these precious moments. Now, this is not new to the gospel of Luke, how important it is for us spiritually, and I think emotionally, for us to be out on a walk, for us to be out and about with the risen Christ. And that's where we meet Luke today, uh, Jesus today in, in this gospel of Luke. Jesus is out and about for a walk with his friends. And Luke has long used this metaphor of a journey or a pilgrimage or a walk to be a metaphor of faith. How is it that we live our lives as those following Jesus? And so often we are out on a road, we are out practicing, out doing faith. 
Luke tells us the only story we have of Jesus in his childhood, of Jesus' parents going on pilgrimage from Galilee to Jerusalem, a walk, going on pilgrimage to share with their son the important places of their faith, taking that walk, doing what they needed to do as devoted Jews, walking right at the heart. And Jesus, we know, walked all around and about Galilee. He was healing and teaching and feeding. He was out for a walk and calling disciples. We know that Jesus even walked on water in Galilee. We know that Jesus used this metaphor of a walk in his parable when he was asked the question, what does the great commandment mean? What does it mean to love God and love neighbor even as ourself? What does that look like? And Jesus says, let me tell you a story about a journey. A man goes from Samaria to Jerusalem. A man meets someone who is hurt and without regard to place or location or boundary or border, without regard to religion, nationality, creed, without, without regard to all of that, this Samaritan helped his neighbor. That's what love looks like. That's what the journey on that road from Samaria to Jerusalem taught the people that day. The prodigal son, again, and this journey of faith in which God teaches us some of the most important lessons of our faith. God is that heavenly father who does not wait for his child to cross the threshold of a door. But instead, when God sees that repentant child, he runs through the door. To meet his son on the road, to meet his son where he is and to embrace him with forgiveness of grace. It's the journey of faith. It's the lessons of the road. And today we have Jesus fresh out of the grave, having just left death behind and choosing yet again to teach his people a lesson on the road to Emmaus. We meet the disciples, two of the disciples, on the road to Emmaus just the evening of that first Easter day. Just the second part of that first Easter Sunday. And they are on that road, on that journey, talking about all that had happened to them that day. Just hours before, the women had come to the disciples and said, you're not going to believe this. Just hours before, the women had said, here's what we have experienced. We went to the tomb this morning. We went there and we saw that Christ was not there. And these angels appeared to us and said, indeed, that Christ had risen. What are we going to do with that? And evidently, a few of the disciples stayed put. They had to think about it sitting in that upper room, I guess. I don't know. But a couple of the disciples decided to take a walk to go on that seven-mile trek between Jerusalem and Galilee. And we are told that on the way, they were talking again about all the things that happened that day, seeking to understand, trying to make sense of their life circumstances. What is it that has happened? What is it that we make of it? How is it that we now live this new normal on the flip side of Easter? We don't know what it's going to look like. And we're just trying to make sense of it. So, so here is how they wrestle with what is going on. They, they outline what is it that they know. What is it that they know has happened? What, and they share this with this stranger. They don't know it's Jesus yet. They, they talk with this stranger about what has happened. And again, making sense of it in their own minds. Here's what we know, they say to him. Here's what we know. Verse 20, we know that the chief priests... 
and the leaders handed Jesus over to be condemned to death and to be crucified. That's what we know. That's what we know. And then they move from what they know into what they hope. And verse 21, they say, but we had hoped that he would be the Messiah. We had hoped that this prophet, this teacher, we had hoped that he would redeem Israel. That's what we had hoped. And and we have what we know and we have what we hoped. And, And then we heard this tale from these women and we don't know what to do with it. And we're just trying to figure it out. We're just trying to understand. And Jesus is willing to walk with the disciples then. And he's willing to walk with disciples now as we seek to make sense of our circumstances. Of the difficulties of our lives, of the unknowns of our lives, of our wrestling with what will our new normal be? The good news is Jesus has been doing this with believers for millennia. There's a flip side to Easter and Easter means on the other side of resurrection that nothing stays the same and that the new normal for believers is just part of the journey. Just part of who and what God has called to be. And so the men keep walking and and we're told by verse 30, they've gotten to Emmaus. And the disciples say to Jesus, still not knowing who he is, they say, why don't you stay with us? The day is nearly over. Why don't you stay with us and and we'll have a meal together. In verse 30, it says that when Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread, he blessed the bread and he broke it and he gave it to them. Verse 31, and their eyes were opened and they recognized who he was and he vanished from their sight. We are all on this road together. We are all seeking, trying to make sense of our circumstances. What has happened? What is it that we know? What is it that we hope for? But what we must do, how we must slow down, how we must simply be so that we can recognize Jesus even as he is in our midst. For Christ is risen and Christ is here. He is walking this road with us. And it is such a gift of faith to simply acknowledge that whatever will be, Christ will be part of it. Whatever fork in the road we come to, making a decision about this or that, hoping just for things to be restored to normalcy, whatever happens, Christ is present. This is the post-Easter Jesus. Christ is risen and Christ hasn't gone anywhere. He's present with his people. Christ is part of who we are. He's part of our walking and our doing. He's part of our eating and our fellowshipping. He's part of all that we do, even in our isolation, even in our holy distancing, break bread and recognize the risen Christ in that simple act. The risen Christ says, I don't know, or says to us, the people who don't know the hows and the whys or the whats of life. What he does remind us is that I am here. I am with you. I am walking every step of the way by your side. 
And this is my commitment. This is my promise. This is who you know me to be on your journeys. The risen Christ walks with us into that future that we have yet to make sense of. The risen Christ is part of the story as we wrestle with how and what of our circumstances. Christ is there each and every step of the way. And what happens when we are at our best is that our eyes are opened and we know it. We know it to be true. And while we might not have all the answers, while we might not have all the reassurances that we want or need or hope for, we still, like those early disciples, can put together what we know and what we hope with what it is that Jesus brings into the equation. New life, out of the tomb and out for a walk. Next step, what is the journey? We may not have that answer, but we know who is on it with us. We know that Christ is part of, of all that we do. I love the poet and the author, Wendell Berry. He writes so many wonderful things that I just think are so beautiful and applicable to who we are as God's people. And he wrote this book called Jaber Crow. You you might know it. This book called Jaber Crow in which he describes life as a pilgrimage and how it is that we live into it. And I want you to hear these words because I think they are so appropriate and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. So Barry says this about life. If you could do it, I suppose it would be a good idea to live your life in a straight line, starting out and walking that path that you see and that you know is before you. Or perhaps you could live your life on the king's highway and appropriately distance yourself from all the dangers, toils, and snares of life. Just get on by them. But Barry goes on to say, I have found that that is not life after all. That is not how this walk goes, this journey goes, this pilgrimage goes. Barry says this, he says, I am a pilgrim, but my pilgrimage has been wandering and unmarked. And often what looked like a straight line to me has been a circling or a doubling back. Often I have not known where I was going until I was already there. I don't have all the answers There are many twists and turns that I didn't anticipate, and yet I arrive because I know that God goes with me. I have had my shares of desires and goals, but my life has come to me, or I have gone to it, mainly by mistakes and surprises. I love that. We don't, you can plan all you want, but sometimes life is engaged by mistakes and surprises. Often my fairest hopes have rested on my bad mistakes. I am an ignorant pilgrim, he says, crossing a dark valley. And yet, and I love this, and yet for a long time, looking back, reflecting, considering where it is, I have been on this journey, on this road. And yet for a long time, looking back, I have been unable to shake the feeling that I have been led Make no mistake, people of God, we are led on this journey. We are led, we are accompanied. Jesus walks with us each step of an unknown way. 
Make no mistake, then all the meandering and all the doing and all the going back and forth and the circular emotions and arriving somewhere that we never anticipated with circumstances we never had even considered. Christ has walked that road as well. Christ has been part of that journey. Make no mistake, when I look back, when I consider, when I walk and meditate and pray, I realize that I have yet to be alone, that I have been led and that Christ has gone with me. And here's what we do with all of that. Here's what the early disciples did. They made sense or tried to make sense of what was going on. They encountered Christ. They recognized Christ. And they went back to Jerusalem so that they could testify, so that they could share with the world, the world that was just as confused as they were, the world that was just having as much difficulty as they were, wrestling with the circumstances of their day. They went back to a world that was on the flip side of Easter. Some thinking Jesus had been raised, but not knowing for sure, these disciples went back so that they could testify. And they went to their friends and they said these words, the Lord is risen. We have seen him. We know, we believe the Lord has risen and he is on this path with us, whatever twists and turns that path takes. Believers, we don't have all the answers. We can't make sense of all the circumstances in our lives. Sometimes we don't know what will come next. We can make our plans and yet God surprises us. But what we can know, what this road teaches us, what this life lesson on this trek says to us is that Jesus is with us and our role is to tell everybody else about it. It's to let everybody else know That Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed, and he's walking with us on this journey. Amen. Let us pray. Again, gracious God, we give you thanks for all it is that you have given to us, this promise of new life, this unwillingness to stay in the grave, to let sorrow and despair have the last word. Lord, in your death... And in your resurrection, you remind us that new life is your way and that all things are possible. Lord, when we can't make sense out of this world around us, when we try to understand the circumstances of our lives, when we know and love those who have become ill, we know or love those who are struggling, we we feel isolated and alone. Lord, the flip side of Easter is that we are never apart from you. God, help us to live as if we believe it. Help us to live as people of the resurrection, sharing the journey with you and telling everybody else about it. For it's in your name that we live, even as it is in your name we pray. Amen. Harrison Church, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you for allowing me to share in the ministry of this wonderful church over these past couple of years. It has been an honor to be with you, uh, to be with your youth and their families, but just this whole church uh, has been a huge family to not only myself, but also to my family. Thank you for allowing me to be here, and I charge you 
to continue to be that presence of Christ within this church and outside the walls. Uh, You certainly are a family of God, and you shine that all over. So continue to do that. And I just leave you with this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.